fun podcast with uh, Christian. It is solely around durability professionally and personally, especially for us. I mean, we are on the court pretty often. That's how we do what we do. And if we don't take care of our bodies now, then when really will we? So uh, really good information, really passionate conversation, and I hope you enjoy. I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business podcast. What's up, trainers? I've got Christian Pacentia here, and I know you guys follow him on IG. I've got trainees who actually look at your content. They've got tons of things bookmarked, and I'm even in, in the office doing the egg the egg beaters myself, trying to get these hip flexors right, you know? So yeah. I, might, I might dive into the 14-day um, they, they hip challenge right there, too, man. I saw that on you guys' website. But for the people who don't, who don't know you, can you kind of give them your, your backstory from the 12 year old in the internships to where you are now? I know it's a lot, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll do my best to kind of like uh, briefly summarize some of the parts, but yeah. So like basketball has always been like a big passion of mine when I was a kid, uh, probably about the age of like 10. That's kind of when it became apparent that like I wanted to put all my time and energy into, you know, basketball and being the best player I could be. Um, so, you know, when I was younger and all throughout high school, you know, had a personal trainer, had a, you know, a shooting coach, you know, obviously that same coach also kind of helped me with like dribbling stuff and all, obviously just kind of understanding the game from an IQ standpoint um, and, you know, played travel basketball, played with like, you know, more of like the showcase teams and then more of like the, uh, I don't know, like fun AAU teams when I was like a little bit younger. Um, and so I was able to kind of get exposed like to some really high level basketball, really high level players. Um, and for me, again, like, it was always just a big passion. Like I just always loved the game. And um, when I was what, probably about a senior in high school, it became pretty apparent that I was like, man, as much as I love to play the game, like, I just don't think I want to play anymore professionally. I don't think I want to go down this route of trying to play at a, you know, a Juco or trying to go play like at a D3 and then trying to just figure out, you know, where I could go play afterwards as a way to, to make money and as a profession. So um, like kind of like you said, at the age of 12, to kind of backtrack a little bit, I sprained my ankle. I went into a physical therapy office and that's when it kind of like hit me like, man, if I don't become a, you know, a professional basketball player one day, then, you know, uh, becoming like a physical therapist or being like a sport performance coach is definitely something that I want to do. Um, it's something that just felt like the energy in that whole like area was just what, you know, really resonated with me. So fast forward from 12 all the way through high school, continued to intern at that physical therapy clinic and was able to learn a lot just from kind of being a sponge. Um, and then in college, you know, decided, okay, physical therapy is the route I'm going to go down. Uh, I'm going to continue to intern at different places down here in, in Southern, not here, but down in Southern California. And when I got to my senior year of college, um, at that time, I was, you know, lucky enough to like intern as a strength and conditioning assistant, like in the weight room with uh, a couple of teams at the division three school I was at, um, but then was also lucky enough to get a grant to do like some research in the lab. So again, like just taking all those experiences, I was kind of just figuring out what did I like? What did I not like? Like, 
what felt like I like could wake up in the morning and feel like it gave me energy rather than just like drain me all the time and felt like something I was having to do instead of like really wanting to do. Um, so uh, applied to schools, didn't get into any physical therapy schools. That's just life sometimes. Like you can prepare as much as you want and do as much as you think you need to do to prepare yourself. But at the end of the day, like didn't get into P any PT schools, but I was fortunate enough to get into schools, uh, two schools for exercise physiology for grad school. Um, and then it was either between the University of Austin or University of Texas in Austin or uh, East Tennessee State. And so I ended up coming down here to Austin, Texas. And I would just say really for like the last what, like six, almost seven years now, uh, I've been lucky enough to really just be in this profession around like, you know, strength and conditioning. Uh, to, I guess, give it like a global term. But what I really felt like I wanted to emphasize and really put my foot down in was like the idea of like durability and mobility and the importance of, you know, your body having the freedom to actually move through ranges of motion that they were designed to move through. Uh, not just to look bendy, not just to be flexible, just to be flexible, but from a health perspective, like there's a lot of benefits, obviously, from being able to move your body through, you know, adequate ranges of motion. And so um, that's kind of like, I guess, the basis of, of like the, the you know, history, I guess, or the background of everything that's kind of led me to where I'm at today. Man, that was very good, very concise, but thorough. Too, so I appreciate that. And question for you. The, the, what really kept sitting with me as I was thinking about the conversation here is durability in terms of you know, personal durability, because we're basketball trainers, we want to actually be out there and be able to move. And some of us sit at the desk all day, which I, I'm on an ergonomic mount right now, because I usually do sit down. But some of us also want to be able to play, and we need to be efficient and durable for our business side as well. So the first question is, how can this also help out with us basketball trainers on the business side by being durable yeah no doubt I mean I would say from a business standpoint like everything is all around longevity right like I don't think anybody really wants to run a thriving business for five years or for 10 years you know God willing you know we're able to do what we love to do for 30 40 50 years really for however long we decide we want to and not something or someone telling us that we have to stop for whatever reason so I think you kind of already hit it on the head there, like as basketball trainers, right? Like, um, you know, we are expecting, and I say we, like, I don't necessarily train people from a skill perspective, right? But I'll just kind of put myself in the category of basketball, you know, trainers, I guess, for ease sakes. Um, but if we want to continue to train players and we want them to continue to improve their game, like the biggest thing is availability right? Not just for the players, but for ourselves as well. Like you said, if you're at a desk all day, right? Or if you're seated all day, if you're driving all day, or even if you're just standing all day at a standing desk, but you don't really realize that like your static posture, I think everyone is pretty familiar with the word posture, but like if your static posture, you know, is kind of like in a uh, compromised position, it just isn't optimal, then, you know, ultimately like you're going to have some wear and tear. So when we start talking about longevity, like and availability like you might not be available for the long term to actually you know go into sessions um and and be as active as you would like I know maybe every coach has a different style but for me personally like I got to be able to like feel like I can move with my players I obviously don't you know expect to jump as high or to run as fast as some of them um but I want to be able to like demonstrate the movement and you know if someone wants to call me out you know from a joking perspective of oh yeah like 
you know, can you do this? Or like, is this, is, you say it's easy, but it, it doesn't look very easy. Like, I want to be able to be in, in the physical state to where like, yeah, I can get down in that position. I can get into that squat and I don't experience any pain or, you know, I'm not going to wake up sore the next day because I was demonstrating a couple movements, you know, for my athletes. And so, yeah, I, I would say from a basketball coach's perspective, you know, you got to you got to make sure you're available too, and you got to respect, you know, your own longevity so that you can continue to thrive and continue to teach uh, uh, players. But also, hopefully, if you grow a business one day, you want to show those coaches as well. You don't want to just tell them you want to you want to show them you want to actually put them physically through it. So that would be my two cents at least. I like how you nourish two birds in one nest there with I, I want to be able to demonstrate with the athletes and have that credibility, but also teach the coaches as well and help them be durable. And it's like a ripple effect there too. And I have a a friend, he's a, he's a a therapist down here and he played basketball in college. He gives the best of both worlds, in my opinion, between durability and basketball. And he always says your best ability is your availability. And I'm like, that's a dope quote. It was cheesy at first. And my athletes thought it was cheesy too, until they get to the point where they do have a sprained ankle, where they do have to actually get back and they're playing at 80% and nobody cares because they don't know. And you're out there on the court. So you have to perform. So my next question for you is, unless you have something to add on that. Next question for you is how in the world, man. So I recently went to a recovery suite where I had a water jet, I had cryotherapy, I had uh, a massage gun, a percussive therapy gun, sorry, and I had somebody stretching me, I had new calm, and it got, I got like pampered, and I forgot what it felt like to feel good, mm-hmm. and I can imagine how athletes actually, we, we you know, played at 75, 70, 60 percent, and we thought it was normal, like it was the new yeah. standard for us, yeah. so my question for you is, if you have any comments on that, and how do you, from a business perspective, because you've scaled yourself with the durable athlete, you and your coach, your partner, how do you keep yourself durable with all these things there? There's diet, there's durability training, mobility, there's speed and agility, there's getting enough sleep. Like, what would you say are the core ways to keep your body durable uh, personally? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um so I'll answer that last question right there. You just asked right there first. Um, so I think if we had to kind of break it down to like core principles or core pillars, you know, I would say movement, breath, sleep, and nutrition are like the big four. And that's actually kind of like the foundation and what everything is built off of from the durable athlete, right? So durable athlete, even though, you know, our business and our brand has the word athlete in it, you know, our biggest thing is everybody is an athlete, right? Like even myself, I'm not a professional athlete by any means. But every day I'm expected to perform mentally and physically at my peak, or at least I want to. I don't I don't really know if I would ask the question to, you know, whoever, like whatever their profession may be. I don't know how many people I could ask and say, do you want to perform at your mental and physical peak? And, you know, people say no. Like, I don't think I've come across somebody like that. There may there might be some people that live by that mantra, but I haven't come across uh, you know many. So for me personally, if that's you and if that resonates with you, like, yeah, I want to show up as my best every day. Well, if you're not getting enough sleep and good quality sleep, then every single day you're going to be waking up on the wrong side of the bed. And not even that, but you're going to be waking up already at like 60 to 70 percent of your peak potential. Like, why would you start in the deficit? I've, I've just never understood that. I know everyone kind of has their own different, you know, uh, schedule and, and different reasons for everything, but, you know, sleep has got to be the priority. Um, and I know it's easier said than done, but it's got to be. Um, and then number two, 
from like nutrition standpoint, you know, food is fuel, right? So food isn't just something that, you know, hey, I'm starving. So then this is when I eat is when I'm starving, you know, as an athlete, and even just as a, as a coach, right? Like, we need food, not just to like give us energy to go about our day, but we need that food, that food to actually like uh, go towards like our muscles, our joints and our, like our cells, the things that we can't see, like we need those, that, that energy to actually refuel and recover and allow for things to adapt. Like training is one thing, but then having enough energy and reserves to actually adapt like that, that's a whole nother ball game. That's like, you know, I'm just going to give a number to it just to put a number, but, you know, to work out, that's like a, you know, 2000 calories, but to actually adapt, that's like another 2000 calories. And that's not even including the rest of our activities throughout the day. Again, I'm just kind of giving a very general number off of, you know, uh, just to kind of give some type of perspective for people. But like, I think we can all understand that, yeah, we need food to like go out and perform, but we forget about the, the adapting part, the adaptation. That's like the most important part. Um, and then obviously from a, a breath standpoint, you could probably interchange that with like meditation or mindfulness. You know, I think it's really important that, especially nowadays, especially with COVID and the way that it's kind of like, um, uh, I would say like sectionalized a lot of people, right? Just for whatever reasons, hey, you can't go out and see people as much. You got to put your mask on. You got to keep six feet for whatever reasons that all that may be like you know, mentally, I think that plays a big role in how, you know, some of our young kids and youth are developing. I think that a lot of kids and even adults nowadays go through a lot of um, uh, like mental and emotional uh, difficulties and they have a hard time being able to like uh, express it, not just to people around them, but to themselves as well, you know, to be honest and be vulnerable with themselves and with people around them. So I think that breath is so important because you can always use your breath. You don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to be in a certain area to access your breath and get into like a mindfulness state where you can allow yourself to be vulnerable. You can allow yourself to really just be in the present moment, right? To, you know, encourage everything that you got going on and to really just, again, be able to admit that, you know, you might not be okay and that's okay, right? Like nobody is perfect. Um, and then I would say probably the last one is just movement. I mean, obviously you can interchange movement with fitness and everything else. Um, like you're saying, the speed, agility, mobility, flexibility, strength training, all that stuff, Um optimizing like how much movement and how much fitness that you are doing in a weekly routine is a monthly routine career routine like that is that is so key like I can't tell you how many players I come across that and even you know, like definitely definitely including myself sorry about that too uh, someone just showed up at our front door we have that that little chime as I was oh, like good. last time you should go off but um, I can't tell you, and especially, especially me, I think this is why I'm so passionate about the mobility and the recovery side is that like, uh, when I was younger, all I did was spend hours on the court, like five hours a day, like nonstop, like six to seven days a week. Like there was no recovery. Like there, the recovery was you get home at six and you're eating your food and you're watching a basketball game and then you get to bed and you got to get up at seven cause you got practice the next day. Like it was just like a constant go, go, go. And, um, you know, what I think what a lot of people usually neglect is like, you know, it's got to be like an ebb and flow. Right. And I know during like during in season, it's so tough to do that because the schedule is hectic. But like I think that a lot of players don't realize how much they're actually overtraining. Um, and kind of like you said, like they don't realize it, but they're like 
100% like feeling, like feeling like, oh, I feel good today. Like that's actually probably really like an 80% and they don't even realize it because they're just in a rut and they don't have enough energy and food to recover. They haven't slept enough to recover. Like they haven't given themselves, you know, getting off their feet, time off their feet to like actually recover. And I mean, I could probably go down a rabbit hole because I'm very passionate about that topic that I just think a lot of it is mental. I think a lot of it, you know, players feel like, you know, um, I have to get extra shooting practice. I have to get extra whatever practice because, um, you know, I'm lacking in, in, in some capacity when honestly, I think that it's more mental. It's more of like the mental portion of, of players lacking because they feel inadequate or they feel like they're, you know, they, they're not enough. And again, I feel like that's something that a lot of times kids could probably clear up and even coaches could probably clear up with just being able to like, you know, I don't even know if it's as far as having like a therapist or even just having a moment of like mindfulness where you can just be like really honest with yourself or journaling with yourself and just being like, well, hold on, I'm putting, you know, 50 hours a week, you know, into shooting. I think that's more than enough. I think I'm prepared. I think I'm ready for this. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully I didn't go off too much on a tangent, but that is something that I'm definitely, definitely passionate about. I think a lot of players are overtrained to the max and don't even realize how overtrained they are. No, that's good. That's the, the entire point of this, man, to hear you, hear you talking, hear your thoughts. So how would you, with, with a few minutes left here, 12 minutes left here, how would you equate what you just said with movement, breathing, with, uh, with, uh, sorry, movement, breathing, you've got the other two as well. Nutrition. Uh, nutrition right? Yeah. How do you equate that from a business perspective, making sure that you obviously take care of yourself personally so you can be a present coach and be available. But right. for you, do you focus more on making great TikToks, great Instagram reels? What is your way professionally to make sure that you're maintaining and having a durable business with what you do. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think honestly, my is really, really just making sure that you're living by the principles that you're trying to preach, right? So for example, everything that I've kind of just been preaching here for a little while is maybe to summarize it is about balance, right? Having balance mm. in your life and having perspective in your life, you know, having moments of being present like in your life to make sure that the route that you're on um, is, is, the, is done at the optimal pace. And maybe you could be going faster at one time, but from a longevity perspective, like, are you going to be able to keep that up? And so from a business perspective, I mean, to be honest, to be able to get that this type of message out there, yes, nowadays it takes, you know, being present on social media, right? Like it takes, you know, posting numerous times a day on different platforms. And, you know, I think maybe three or four years ago, you know, I was pretty strict on myself where if I didn't post, you know, X amount of times per day on all these platforms, then like I felt like I failed or I wasn't doing enough in my job. But if I'm also being honest, like, taking those times of being, you know, mindful and present and really reflecting, like I show up and I am very present through all of my sessions throughout my day, whether it's a one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's a group, whether it's our programs, whether it's with the high school team, like I try to be as like present as possible with each interaction that I have. And I think there's something to be said from a business standpoint, you know, like if you're able to do that then you're able to have a very clear perspective on your message and your, you know, like your mantra, your ethos and what you're trying to get people around you to buy into, like that is the best way to grow your business. Don't get me wrong. 
I'm sure if a, a marketing person was here and we were kind of doing a joint, you know, live, I'm sure they would say, well, you know, you can maximize by doing, you know, playing the algorithm and doing the hashtags and going on TikTok, doing Facebook, doing Twitter, uh, create different types of content that is basically saying the same thing, just doing it a little bit differently. Like all that stuff is completely true. And that is part of growing a business from a, you know, from, from like an audience standpoint or marketing standpoint. But what is even more important, I think, than that is being very clear with like your ethos, right? So again, I, I don't think I can um, hit home enough with the idea of just uh, taking a, a second or taking a minute, taking an hour throughout your week to just gain some perspective and reflecting around what am I doing you know, is this aligned with everything I want to accomplish? And if I continue to do this, you know, at a high clip throughout the next year, you know, or two years, five years, 10 years, is this going to get me to where I want to go? Um, so hopefully, hopefully that kind of answered it a little bit right there. I did. I did. So you said something about balance too. And, and, and question for you, this, I, I go through this all the time. Like my mom is two hours away. My grandmother's two and a half, three hours away. And you know, people always say, oh, you can create your own schedule. You can do this. We definitely have to work. But how do you balance the, the familial aspect when it comes to all this? Because I know your your family's made sacrifices for you growing up. And I know how much they mean. I've heard how much they mean to you. And I, I resonate with that, too. How do you find balance in that area? Yeah, with, with family specifically, what you're asking, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, I'll be honest, for me, it's uh, a tad easier in the sense that my family doesn't live here in Austin, Texas. Uh, they live out in California, right? So it would probably be a lot more challenging if my family was in town because, you know, I could stay busy, you know, seven days out the week. And so, you know, I don't, I, you know, I could go without having an off day for months and not even really realize it, right? Um, so as far as I like kind of finding balance with like the family, I think it's really just as simple as anything else that you want to prioritize. Like, you know, for me, my schedule is everything. Like my calendar is everything. Uh, like if I don't have my calendar, like I'll be very lost that day in terms of like what's coming up next and what do I got to do? Um, so I think just like anything else, whatever you prioritize, like, you, you know, however you got to do it, whether somebody just has a piece of paper every day that they write down their schedule on, or whether they have a calendar on, you know, on their iPhone or whatever the heck it may be, like, you just got to put that time in there. And you just got to say, hey, this is like my family time. This is a time that I'm dedicating to, you know, improving my relationships and improving my, you know, my uh, presence, you know, with my family and whatever the heck it may be, you know, whether it's going out to eat or whether it's just getting on a phone call. You know, a lot of times for me, it's really just as simple as like a phone call or a Zoom. Um, you know, my mom actually just uh, purchased a home here not too long ago um, as like a second home. So she probably comes out here like once a month or so. So obviously, like when she's here, you know, we try to make it to a point where, hey, you know what, Friday night or, you know, Saturday morning or Saturday evening, like we're going to go get breakfast or we're going to go eat dinner or, you know, for her, you know, I think this kind of maybe goes back to like, uh, you know, like love languages. I don't think we spoke on that yet. I know it's kind of like a, a random thought or, you know, some people might not have any clue what the love languages are, but it's like a book. I have not read it. I have only been told secondhand from my fiance that basically everyone feels loved very differently, right? Some people want to be, you know, uh, hear words of affirmation. Some people want to like feel like physical touch. Some people like gifts. Uh, then there's like another one too. I might quality be time. Yes, exactly. Quality Acts time. of service. Yeah, exactly. So like for my mom, 
she's like a constant worker. So for her, I know that like, even if she's just here and I got a session in the garage, but she's in this room, like working, like to her, that's quality time. And to some people that's like, well, you guys aren't doing anything, but to her, we're just so close and in the vicinity that like, she just wants to know and feel like I'm close by. And with my dad, it's like, we don't got to go do anything. We could be on the couch literally all day, but just the fact that we can just kind of BS with one another and just chat, like that's more than enough for him. So I think, you know, it's just kind of all about finding like, you know, what, what makes your, or the people that you really prioritize and want to be around and spend time with, like what resonates with them, them the most. So like figure that out. And then from there, just make it part of your schedule. You know, obviously if you're in the same city, it makes it a little bit easier. If you're not, might be a little bit more challenging, but, you know, nonetheless making strides and just showing that person or showing that portion of your family, how much you care, I think is, is more than enough. Got it. Well, last question for you. I, I, there was one question specifically that somebody wanted me mm-hmm. to ask you mm-hmm. and they, and this can be not just for that one person, but for many, if mm-hmm. you have someone who, and I'm sure you were probably at this point in one point in time where you were part-time and mm-hmm. you wanted to do something that you love full-time for most of this audience, it's, it's basketball training. They're working in corporate and they're training part-time one day out the weekend and they want to get to where they can do this full-time what advice would you have for somebody who was wanting to take that risk, but also be educated and make a calculated risk in going full time with this? Yeah, that's a great question. And just so you know, too, bro, we can even go, excuse me, we can even go like 10 or 15 minutes over that. That's perfectly okay. fine if we need to for time, just just so you know, we don't have to rush it or anything like that. Okay? Okay. Um, so so, yeah, that's a great question. If, if what I could do is I can maybe just provide a little bit of a perspective on like my two cents. Um, and then from there, we can kind of just break it down a little bit. Like I was working full-time salary job as just like a personal trainer, like maybe 10% of my clients were basketball clients and like basketball athletes. And my goal was to like completely flip that. I wanted to be like 90% basketball clients and, you know, 10% general population is what they kind of call that, that market. Um, so for me personally, I was really, really, really big on, okay, I'm going to reach out to as many people as I can on Instagram that just look like they train basketball kids. Like, I don't want to be a basketball trainer, but if there's already going to be people out there that are skilled trainers, right. For like a lack of a better word, I'll just say like skill trainers. Um, and they already have a pretty good audience and they already have a pretty good following of, of, of kids that they train. Well, I don't need to like start my stuff from scratch. I'll be honest, like you can, and there's, there's something to be said about like getting it by yourself. But like, I think that that um, idea and that mindset is a very closed, very close ended mindset. Like, if you feel like you need to do everything by yourself, I promise you, like you're, you're, you have, you could potentially reformulate that thought process to make your process way more fluid and easier to get to where you want to get to one day. So for me personally, like I said, I reached out to about 15 different skill trainers in Austin. Um, and then like probably about 10 or 15 different like AAU teams that were just in the surrounding area and really just kind of like shared my message with them. Like, this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. Like, this is what I'm passionate about. And I would love to maybe come in one day and work with your players for free. I think that a lot of people need to understand that, like in the beginning, especially when you're like wanting to get your feet wet with something, it's so normal to be doing things for free. 
you, you got to be able to like show your value. You got to be able to prove your value to people. And if you're able to do that and you're really passionate about what you're doing, people, the right people will feel that and they will help you succeed. Like there's something to be said about being around other passionate people, like passionate people know passionate people. Like they know it, they can feel it. It's just like this energy. And you want to have that type of energy usually around you because whatever you guys are going to be doing, you know, it's not about me, 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 but it's about if we're able to share this space together and hold that space and that type of energy, then like everything is going to rise together and we can succeed both of us, right? Or all of us, you know, as a staff or as a team, as a community, more than one person can do by themselves. So if you're looking to do it full time, I would say, number one, be open to doing things for free. Number two, like you got to be able to reach out to people. You got to be able to be vulnerable. You got to be OK with people just leaving you on red. I think maybe five people responded to me from those 35 messages. But like, to be honest, I wouldn't be here where I'm at today without that. And I wouldn't be here today without my business partner, Zach, who was you know, one of the first people uh, to actually respond to me, sit down with the meeting. I had no clue who he was. He had no clue who I was. So, you know, obviously I got lucky with getting into business with a good guy, just a good whole genuine person, you know, who is not all about himself, but is, you know, sees the bigger vision about building a community. So, yeah, like I said, one, you be able to do free Two, you got to be able to reach out. And then three, honestly, at some point, like you're going to have to take a jump. For me, my jump was I'm going to leave my salary job that is obviously cush. Anybody who has a salary job and then goes into something that is like a more 1099 or more independent contractor or like trying to run your own business, like that's a whole different beast. Like you don't have that check coming in every two weeks. So like if you're not grinding, if you're not making things happen, then like you can't pay for rent. And that's kind of like a scary feeling. Um, and I think that's like uh, when people say taking a jump, like that's what that scary jump. I think a lot of it is like built up around is that uncertainty. But to be honest, like just like anything else, you got to have faith, man. You got to have faith that, you know, that as much work that you put in and as much passion you got for, you know, whatever field, if we're using basketball training as the example, if you love hoops and you feel like your approach is just unique and your personality um, is lively and, and you know people will love you like you got to be able to take that jump at some point the tough part is knowing when I don't think there really is a perfect time I just think that you know you're if you're willing to make it work you'll jump and you know sink or swim like you'll swim you're gonna figure out a way to swim um, so yeah hopefully hopefully that kind of answered it uh, for the most part absolutely it does and you're right I mean there's like there's so many things that are unknown before you jump, like you can work on getting the finances to where they almost match, but then you got so many things, like you said, as, as a 1099, hey, he just said, awesome, bro. I appreciate that wisdom and insight. So he's in the group chat right now and said, thank you uh, for the wisdom and insight. But it is hard. It's like a weird grind right there. It reminds me of my hip flexors right now, which is, which stinks. But like, it's a, this tension of, I, I got this money on the side and I have this <clears throat> salary job, but for me, I don't know, and this might be personal, but I, I first two, three years, I thought I was paying myself until one of the trainers bent here, you know, he made a, he made a good point. He said, paying for your expenses is not the same as actually giving yourself a, a check, you know, mm -hmm. and obviously it depends, it depends on how you have your business set up as an LLC or as a 1099 or, or and all those things. I'm not a, a, a lawyer or a CPA, but for you, like, did, what was your experience when it came to that in terms of, I need to pay myself? Or did you pay yourself out the gate? Or what was that experience like? 
Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great question. So I would say we got real formal. And when I say formal, I'm talking about like, okay, this is our CPA. Okay, like this is our lawyer. Um, and basically from our CPA, we were introduced to people who help us run payroll. So our CPA and our payroll team basically just kind of help us each quarter figure out, okay, how much money did you make? Um, what were your expenses looking like? Um, what are you projected maybe to do the rest of this year? You think you're going to do better than last year? Kind of same. Excuse me. And then from there, our CPA is going to be like, okay, well, this is like the bare minimum amount of money you got to pay yourself by the end of the year or slash by this quarter. And then kind of like obviously accumulate through the rest of the quarters of the year. Um, so that if the IRS was to ever come in and want to potentially try to audit you, like you put yourself in a, you know, 0.00 whatever percent chance that they would because this is the amount of income and this is the amount that you're paying yourself or whatever there's obviously like you said i'm not a cpa but like there's some there's some percentages and some equations that that cpas use to figure out like what's the bare minimum you should pay yourself so no red flags come up for your business so i'll be honest man like for myself and my fiance like we, I mean, I, I think everyone knows here. I think we all kind of grind, right? We all grind to a certain extent. Like we grind our ass off, but we really don't pay ourselves until like the end of the quarter. And mm -hmm. kind of like you said, like when it comes to, you know, like the expenses, like, um, so really other than just like groceries, I'm talking and gas. So I'm talking about like really everything else, I guess, other than that, like we're going to be using our business cards because chances are we're going to be using, you know, our, our, like our business is going to necessitate that. For example, like driving to, uh, uh, driving to like all of our training programs, we really just try to use the same car for that. So that when we're at the end of the year, writing off all of our gas, writing off all of our miles, we can say definitively, this is like all the miles and this is all the gas that we have paid for over the last year, just for our business, like business purposes. And then clothes, same thing. Hey, when we need, you know, I don't know, new shoes or whatever the heck it may be, like this is the business card. So we're going to use our business card for that. So when it comes to just like personal things, to be honest, man, we've just had to make sacrifices. Like, could we, could we pay ourselves every month? 100%. But I think for us, it's like, we want to feel like if we ever, you know, needed to invest in our back in our company, for example, invest back in our trainers, um, buying them, you know, a couple books every year to help further their education, um, paying for the occasional breakfast when they're doing our morning programs, um, paying for their gas on a random day because they weren't supposed to come on that Saturday, but they're coming now. Like, I don't want to feel like, damn, we don't got, we don't got a lot of money in the business account. Like, I don't think we could really do that. I want to feel like when we look in there, like our personal accounts are usually like less than like 700 bucks. Right. And obviously like when we got to pay for rent, we'll make a distribution to, you know, from our business account to do that. But like, man, yeah, at any given point, like we had took a snapshot of our own personal account, like it is low, you know, we're riding like super, super low. But again, like I, we know that this isn't going to be forever. Like we know that if we continue to show up, we continue to put the work in like things will flip right at some point i don't know when again it's faith i don't know when but i'm just so trusted and we and we're so embedded and invested in our process and and what we do that we know at some point it's going to be like yeah you know what now you know every month we can pay ourselves two grand and we're not really worried about does the business account have enough money to pay for all the other things that we need 
So that, that right there, to be honest, is a great question. Like I would highly recommend it. Obviously after the last three years now, we've become a little bit more educated in that. I would highly recommend anybody that's looking to start their own business, like find some stuff on YouTube. I haven't really seen anything yet on YouTube. If you can't really afford like a good CPA, like go find some stuff on YouTube that just kind of like like basic business economics one-on-one like like what you know the what goes into running a business one-on-one or like how to pay yourself one-on-one like there's so many videos and and resources out nowadays about like how to kind of start that process um but that is that's such a that's such a good question because a lot of our coaches are now kind of getting to the point of oh should we create an llc like like what should we do and it's like yeah like you're right. Like this next layer of evolution is bigger than like anatomy physiology. It's now like, how can you create a sustainable business? Because we know our programs can't sustain you all year long, right? Mm-hmm. We have programs all year long, but they're not going to pay your bills by themselves. So how can we help you, you know, get more one-on-ones? How can we help you, you know, uh, uh, go find more clients? How can you find a one client on social media every month. Like, how do you, how do you create that like new source of income? Like that's like our next layer. And that's my next layer of leadership and helping our trainers underneath this grow is I don't want to just be someone you see twice a year or two months out the year, then you go do your own thing. Like I want to hopefully help you stay in this ecosystem and this community of coaches that is going to help you grow further past, you know, just knowledge in the field of, of fitness and, and nutrition and whatever it may be. Right. I'm glad you were willing to share that, man, because I, I after going to using the business account to pay for all the things that were actually needed, I started to, to, to pay myself and took it out as a W-2. And it's like, I kind of missed the old way, you know, and there's a way to actually do that. It helps you, like you said, have a wad of cash to actually invest back into the business, you know, and, and have that capital to be able to make decisions and, and, and make moves that you probably wouldn't have been able to otherwise, because when you start paying yourself, man, it definitely does dip into that cash flow that you receive from the, the business side of things. So, I mean, I, I'm going as far as like doing a thought experiment with my, with my wife now and just trying to figure out like, huh, how, what can I negotiate so I can be a house husband and basically not pay myself anything and just keep working and keep working and investing, you know? So obviously there's a bigger return in the end, but I'm, I'm glad you shared that, man. Cause I'm, I'm on the same wavelength. If I can pay myself instead of twice a month, like we can just go every quarter, once a quarter and see what's needed. I like that. So I'm talking to my CPA about that now. Another, another topic. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that, man. And that's oh. smart too, that you're even just bringing that stuff up, man. Cause I'll be honest, like, just, again, some of our coaches that are like, you know, first year, like just past that first year out of college, like training and coaching, like mm-hmm. they don't learn that in school. Like they don't know, they, they know of an LLC because, you know, people, some people have, oh man, you got to start your own business. But like, they don't know what that means or they don't know the benefits of it. Or like, they don't know, like, oh, that money that you guys are paying me, I could put it to my LLC and I'll actually get taxed less. So I'll be able to have more money and I can write my expenses off. Like, oh, and mm. I can get more money back at the end of the year. Like, I, like shit, we didn't know that. We just got lucky that our CPA had kind of educated us. And we asked him a million questions, but obviously it came with a little bit of a price, but you can't put a price on that now because for the rest of our life that we run this business, we're now empowered to make great decisions, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fact. So, man, this is a cheesy last question. Um, 
what what question do you not get asked that you wish you did? Uh, I know I know your impact. Your your goal is to help people be more durable and help them uh, feel better and and go from there. That's more of your philosophy and what you what you work towards. But what what's one question that you don't get asked on interviews that you've done so many of that you wish you could talk more about? That's a great question, man. Um, to be honest, I was actually just having a meeting with my coaches this past Friday. Um, and I don't know if it necessarily came up. He did ask a question. Oh, he said, what was like some of your biggest obstacles when you first started out in your profession? And I kind of just told him that like those obstacles kind of like evolved. Right. So like in the very beginning, the first obstacle I was in, you know, right out of college was in this salary job where things are very cush and I could literally just walk through the motions on a daily basis and get the job done you know, past the level of expectation, like, do I want to just be a walkthrough guy, right? Like, do I just want to be going through the motions? Or do I want to like mentally put myself in a position where I'm like, okay, I might not be a strength coach for an NBA, you know, team right now. But if that's my goal, then like my process has to be that every day. And even though when I show up, um, you know, coaching Sally May, you know, a, a soccer mom, you know, she's not an NBA person, but my preparation going into that session and how I communicate, like I want it to be as high level as possible because again, my goal is to be at here one day, but I'm just not there yet. So like, that was like the first obstacle, right? Is like being honest with yourself. Like don't just, your process shouldn't reflect where you're at. Your process should hopefully reflect like where you want to be one day. And then I think the second obstacle then was like when to jump. It's a cush spot. I know that I don't want to do this forever. I kind of want to do this, but like, when do I jump? Right. And again, there's no right answer. It's just when you jump, you just got to be willing to put in the work. And then I think the obstacles that I'm kind of running into right now is like, how can I help coaches not feel certain emotions and feelings that I felt as a young coach working like at a gym with, you know, um, uh, higher ups, that didn't necessarily empower me to, you know, the, the, like to my potential, right? Like some of my higher ups, um, you know, didn't necessarily like maybe treat me the best way sometimes, or like help me grow and fought, like create an environment to like, Hey, I know this is where you're at, but where do you want to go? And how, like, how can we help you get there? And even if it's not here, like, how can we still help you get there? Because if you get there, you can look back and we can look back. We can say, you know, so-and-so was just here five years ago. We helped him get here. You know, as a young coach, if you come here and willing to put in the work like he or she did, then you could get there, you know, in five years. So my, this next layer is like not to get complacent with just saying, oh, we got a staff of coaches and, you know, I don't have to be at every training session anymore. It's like, no, how can I make sure I have enough work for them to keep them stimulated? But also how do I keep this to like, how do I keep growing it to the point where it could be like a actual profession and like career for them. Because I think, you know, you know, doing two sessions a day, right? So like two hours a day, you know, I don't know, eight to 10 kids in each group. That's great. But like, there's bills to be paid, right? You got paid for court space, like the, the medicine balls, the bands, all that stuff costs money. Um, and then, you know, uh, obviously like, like paying for the coaches, like costs money. Right. So it's like, at the end of the day, there's not like a lot of bread just sitting there on the table unless you set up your business the right way. So as a coach, you're not going to make a lot of money, right? So, and especially as a coach, 
you know, if you didn't really bring in that business, then you're really just kind of at the disposal of your higher ups of your leaderships, right? So it's like, how can I as a leader make sure that, okay, this is what you're going to get here, you know, at the lowest rate, but that's not all we're going to do for you. We're going to try to get you, you know, six high paying clients that are going to be paying you five times more than what you get at this, you know, group training. And we're actually going to help you grow that to get it to the point where you could have some online clients and some in-person clients. Like, does that, does that sound good? Does that sound like you would want to do that? Yeah, 100%. Perfect. So let's start it up. And I think, you know, obviously that takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight, but like, I think that would probably be one thing that maybe people don't necessarily ask a lot is like obstacles and like, you know, because some people feel like, damn, I'm like the only one going through this right now, but it's like, nah, man, like we were all kind of going through that process. Right. And even today, like, you know, certain people, I think someone told me, one of the coaches, like, man, it looks like, like you got it set now. And it's like, no, like, you know, if, if that's the type of character you have that like you get to a place and you can kind of get complacent, then that's just in your character. But like, for me personally, I've never been like that. It's like, the, the peak, like the peak is, is a very abstract idea. Like there isn't a definitive place of like being at the top. Like if I became the Lakers strength coach tomorrow, I didn't make it to the top. Right. Maybe 10 years ago, I'd be like, hell yeah. Like that's, that's my spot. Like if I get there, I've made it, but like, that's not in my personality. It's not in my character. Like I would still strive to do more. I would still strive to like okay, how, well, how can I build on this? Well, how can my business back home grow? Or how can I help some of these other people grow, even though I got my thing kind of set up? So yeah, I think, I think that would probably be a, a good place to maybe, maybe leave off right there. Leave off to come back to it another time, man, because I definitely got to ask you or see if you're willing slash able to come on the podcast again, man. I appreciate you blessing, yeah. blessing me, but also the audience is going to listen to this later too. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm always down to come up here and talk shop, dude. I'm, I'm always down. Like, I always tell people, like, you know, you don't got to have a billion streams every month, like Joe Rogan or something. Like, it don't matter how small, how big. Like, anytime I'm able to kind of share my message and just share my two cents, that's always valuable. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.